Let them eat cake. allowed him to die i didn't hit him with anything that's like some bruce wayne batman begins i don't have i'm not gonna kill you but i don't have to save you (laughs) you'd go to jail (laughs) that's criminal negligence manslaughter no 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 listen listen And I didn't know that was the, oh, by the way, I, I'm a racist haircut, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> How convenient is it now that they have haircuts? <laughs> it used to be just a shaved head, but now it's like, okay, now you guys are doing like, there's like a tight fade involved. And I'm fucking confused by that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because I was looking for Cobb's roles. It took me a while to realize, oh, he has a real guy. (laughs) (laughs) There will be all these clacks on my on my on my recording as I roll actual physical dice. I just thought he had his roll 20 adjusted so it (laughs) sounded real. (laughs) Yeah, there is a roll 20 pro, but you have to have a certain number of followers to get into that. Um, And we're just not there yet. We'll get there someday. That's that's the dream. That's horrifying and also hilarious. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gimme the Loot podcast, the Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast that has an extra beefy episode for you this week. My name's Turner. I'll be your dungeon master and voice of pre, mid, and post-show announcements as well as purveyor of constant cattle puns for the rest of this intro. I am really going to milk the shit out of that. So, hey, season two, episode four, technically, it's a thing. Guest starring Jeremy Cobb from Three Black Halflings. Mr. Cobb was actually kind enough to come out and guest DM for our Gimme the Belt tournament last year, our charity event to support Game to Grow. And since then, he's been incredibly generous with his time coming back and helping us kick off our fight night streams and now coming back to guest star as a special character in this episode. And I won't give any more away because I already know that I spoil things too much. It's just that I get so excited about the story that I really want to share it with all of y'all. But I know it's better not to share it. It's a real catch-20 moo. Hey, new listeners, welcome. And returning listeners, welcome back. We always appreciate you making time for us in your busy podcast listening schedule. We know it's a crowded field. And you could graze the selection of other actual plays out there all day, but you've made time for us, and we sincerely appreciate it. And of course, a special thank you to all our patrons who constantly round up support to help us steer the show in the right direction. Just a reminder, Gimme the Loot is not family-friendly content due to a mix of profanity, crude humor, fantasy violence, and gore. And I think we managed to check every single one of those boxes this episode, so I feel like we really took the bull by the horns. On a slightly more serious note, folks, it's time to realize that the era of passive participation in our society is over. From the epidemic of gun violence to the erosion of women's bodily autonomy, every single one of us has to get involved to make change happen. The constant onslaught of bad news in a 24-hour cycle makes it easy to despair. But we can make a difference. We can change things. And it's as simple as showing up at your next local, state, 
county, and federal election to have a direct hand in putting people in place who can make the change we need to have happen, happen. So if you're not already registered to vote, head on over to vote.org, link in the show notes below, and get registered. We have to get involved at every level, local, state, and federal. It doesn't take much to be a better hero than one of the party of five. Here's our chance. And on that note, let's start the show. We are back with the party of five. It's your boy, Harlan. I play Todd the Tiefling, a.k.a. your bounty hunter's favorite bounty hunter, a.k.a. and Todd we trust, a.k.a. Todd the motherfucking Tiefling, a.k.a. the Todd father. And Todd Prime. Let, let us not neglect Todd Prime. <laughs> Todd Prime. Todd to Miss Prime. <laughs> Todd to Miss Prime. That's great. There it is. <laughs> uh, this is Andrew playing Moyle. The war forged with the engorged gourd. Oh, man. Mm. Nice. Although he doesn't have a gourd anymore if you kept up with the episode. No, no. <laughs> you don't need to explain it. That was a, a lot of effort, and it pays off if you listen. So good job, sir. <laughs> uh, I'm Jamie. I play Eldrin, the ranger whose credo is to shoot first like Greedo. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Okay. After that opening act, Jazz. <laughs> are we sick, are we gonna let that go? We just gonna say Greedo shoot first. That we let, wait 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 wait. Let, let me let me be bad first, and we can come back to it after. Hold on, yeah. Let let Jazz get his get his out because inevitably Jamie always benefits a little bit from the the Jazz refractory period. Go. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jazz, and I play Fate. Uh, oh God! Oh my God! You can't you can't even just forget it. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Sorry, I blanked out. Because sorry. The, the, <laughs> Yeah, this is Jazz. I play. <laughs> I blame Harlan. <laughs> this is Jazz, and I'm playing Fate. The, the oh my god, I'm lost my mind now because. <laughs> <laughs> See, it looks like he was able to find that uncle nearest after all. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have guests. This is in front of one of the three black halflings. You're doing this. I'm, I'm going to tighten up the pressure until you break. Get it right, man. Okay, sorry. This is Jazz playing Fate, the mage who is the master or seeking the masters in magic. Do you, do you want to take that one more time just to see if you can get it all the way straight out? Fine. If I can get it clean. Yeah. yeah. This is jazz playing. Okay. Fit. We're going to go ahead and move on. To- and joining us, uh, a very special guest and friend of the show. Wow. Whoa. Man, we don't even get a Baba. Wow. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, shit. We don't even get a Baba in show. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's that's a, that's on me, and I will totally edit that part on. <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. And this is Anthony, who plays Baba Tunde. Thank you. Okay, sorry about <laughs> my my most sincere apologies, sir. And joining us to help us kick off season two slash arc two. Uh, or really arc four, who's even counting anymore, of the show is a special guest and friend of the show. Jeremy Cobb. Uh, I will be playing Elias Terrari, the Minotaur sorcerer of the aberrant mind whose family is very rich, but his personality is surprisingly kind. There we go. That's how a pro does it, gentlemen. (laughs) 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 The absolute savagery on display already uh, is just so, so enjoyable. Par for the course. This is is par for the course. This has made my night already. Oh, oh, we're just getting started. Oh. (laughs) 
And these are our good manners, to be clear. <laughs> so we're picking up, gang, after a long, arduous, and quite frankly, musky trek through the southern fens to bring Moyle not only home to meet his long-lost father and then back home again to meet the uh, fey woman who kidnapped him and raised him as his own. Uh, he ended up not only with his stabilizing shard, but with a new body as a warforged, having uh, his original form being destroyed by the four skeins in a ninja airboat battle. After acquiring his stabilizing shard, Moyle had an encounter on the mental plane with the god of ill luck and madness, Ralashaz, who informed him that he was going to have to divest himself of his existence and inhabit Moyle's stabilizing shard to relieve you guys from being surveilled by the Pantheon. And then as you guys came back to awareness and started to realize you had gained some new powers and possibly a new level, you encountered none other than Tritherion, the god of lawyers and justice and law, who laid out to you that, hey, man, it'd be really cool if you guys just took a knee and let him get his shit done, because frankly, he's been doing this whole god thing for longer than he'd like to admit. And he and his cohorts had a plan to fuck off to another plane of existence and in doing so might vacate some slots that you could inhabit. But this is the very existential danger that RN Gene warned you might tear reality asunder itself and not only destroy your reality, but the multiverse as a whole. After a long road trip back home where you had the opportunity to get some mushroom doozers to repair your Winamajo that Todd, for some reason, instantly fucking hated and you guys tricked into really just a really shitty situation. Get him out. Uh, you guys drove home, checked in with Ognum. He sent you out on another errand, a goblin Blimp was involved. Timey-wimey, folks. That's where the special episode guest episode from way back in, like episode 10, is now inserting into the timeline. So we're starting off with the guys just having made it back to Telius, and after having run the Goblin Blimp mission for Ognum, we open up with the skyline of Taliesin, and then we zoom in on Todd's Tavern, the defecto home away from the Winamajo for the party of five. We zoom in tighter on a bedroom. We see a rumpled pile of covers and then the shuddering of a speaking stone on top of a nightstand with the thrumming tune of nine to five blaring out Todd the tiefling's hand comes out, slaps down his speaking stone to wake him up. Real quick, guys, now that you're only allowed to be 500 feet apart, what is the sleeping situation outside of the Winamajo? Are you guys all bunking in the same hotel room or... How how has that sleep beaming arrangement worked out? Um, Todd makes sure he goes to sleep first because he gets whatever bed he wants. It's usually I'm usually the first to sleep on. Todd's a a, a nine thirty ish sleeper. Anything past nine, he he gets uh quite furious. So he's he goes to sleep before everyone else, and they can't take a spot. He's there, and he makes sure that they don't paint any penises on his face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you should say again to that probably. <laughs> <laughs> So is it, it's a single room situation? Or are you guys trying to get adjacent rooms booked to where, or is it just, we're just going to, hey, we're going to get some bunk beds in this hotel room or what is, what is the sitch? I imagine. I think we chill in single rooms. What? Really? I figure we're all broke. We're trying to share one big ass room. That's what I said. Single room. Oh, okay. My fault. As an elf, we just need like four hours in a small corner. I don't need. Yeah. Warforge uh, doesn't even sleep. And I get the bet. I get the bet. Yeah. I can't tell you how many evening ambush plans that you guys fit doing the, well, we only need to meditate four hours, so we'll just tag team the four hour meditation thing. <laughs> 
really you have lost from this campaign because they never sleep. <laughs> In that case, you guys are all woken up from your slumber and your rest by Todd's jarring alarm on his speaking stone, which he never puts close enough to snooze on the first try, so it wakes all of you guys up. You stumble out of bed, roll downstairs, get your continental breakfast. Continental breakfast. Gotta have the continental breakfast. In fact, Correct. Todd, the bartender, now actually does keep a continental breakfast on hand because he got tired of you guys asking about it week after week after week after week. Smart move. You guys load up in the Winnemajo and roll over to Ognums to report in to get some guidance. The plan is obviously to head to the nearest port. You've got a couple of options there. Remember, you have a free pass from the Mercantile Guild for a naval journey down to Shaitan to the, court, the home offices of the Mercantile Guild because Baba has a challenge that he has to resolve both for himself and for his clan. But before then, you guys need to check in with your mentor to kind of get the lay of the land and to make some decisions. Um, so you guys head over to Ognum's lab, you know, go on back past the adorable little college where his husband, Tied, and adopted kids live. Uh, give a little bit of a wave to Tied through the through the windows. He hoists a hammer up at you, a moil. <laughs> And you hoist your extremely fancy, shiny new chaos hammer back at him. Um, you guys step into the safety area of Ognum's our workshop. Once again, overwhelmed by the scope of this place on the inside and the rambling circuit of tubes that run across the ceiling towards the back to where they nod up into this weird Mobius, uh, almost imperceptible arcane network that has a very hadron particle collider feel to it with Kirby crackle occasionally emanating from the viewports throughout it. And, you know, normally you guys will walk in and Ognum will be engaged in some form of bizarre mad science experiment. But today he's not alone. He, in fact, is standing and having a conversation with well, Mr. Cobb, if you would... Yes, uh, you see a Minotaur, about average height for a Minotaur, but probably a little bit more on the slender side compared to most Minotaurs that you would see. Uh, you would assume this is probably not due to build, but as you're looking at maybe the way that he moves, it's more due to probably lack of physical exercise. This person is very, very nicely dressed. Uh, long, flowing, ornate robes with all kinds of very bright colors. Uh, the base color is kind of like a dark purple, but you're seeing like flashes and splashes of pink, uh, neon purple, neon yellow, bright blue, uh, and um, dotted among them. It looks like very, very, you're not sure if it's jewels or what, but something was sewed into this jacket, or excuse me, into these robes and cloak to resemble stars. Like you're looking at a nebula in the night sky. And uh, around the lower hem of the garment, looking up at this incredible celestial display on the robe itself are six very stylized cows like sewn in as patches, beautiful and ornate, these majestic cows gazing up at the incredible nebulas above them. The Minotaur himself has black fur. It's it's almost like black with like a, it's like a mixture of like dark navy in there. And his horns are, have like weird streaks of purple in them. And I think anyone who is particularly perceptive might notice as he gestures uh, with his rather grand and flamboyant manner, 
some very light scarring of the backs of his hands and then per, uh, extending on from the backs of his wrists uh but he's had the he's got the big old magician sleeves like classical like <laughs> and it seems to be very demonstratively speaking with your friend your mentor so as you guys enter in, obviously, Todd, you immediately feel jealous of this Minotaur's height. And Fate, you immediately feel jealous of this Minotaur's robe. But Moyle, there is, and you actually feel this to a certain extent as well. It's Elias, right? I'm going to say that wrong. Yes. Elias. 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 It's almost like there's magnets of opposite poles. That, like when you when you have two magnets of opposite poles and you get them just within that slight lip of the range of each other where you not don't feel the opposition, but you can feel that invisible force brush up against each other. Elias, you feel this this pulse coming from within the chest of this warforged that steps into the room with this massive hammer with a, uh, a shaft that appears to be carved of some kind of strange bone with runes running down the haft. And Moyle, you feel the same thing. Like there is something that is both familiar and oppositional to this minotaur. And you feel it with that slight echo of resonance from the psychic inhabitants within the stabilizing shard, which is inside your pentahedron badge. And you almost see that slight outline of Moyle's pentahedron badge, not flare into life, but almost like a light tracing around the exterior. Almost like, you know, when you're in the dark and you've got like a, a laser pen and you're drawing stuff in the air with a, with a laser light in the dark, it just flashes around the perimeter really quickly. Uh, and Ognum stops in mid-conversation and goes, oh, oh, gentlemen, excellent timing. Fantastic that you're here. How did the blimp delivery go? Uh, well, we didn't crash, so that was a plus. Definitely. We almost died. Oh! Could have went better for me, but it, it was it was a team thing, and we did well. I uh, barely remember. Uh, did Todd just say something about teamwork? Are you all okay? I don't remember there being much teamwork, Uh, but yeah. But we we are still alive, so I believe okay is an accurate statement. Yeah. Well, it, it's fantastic how low a bar you set, gentlemen. So, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> If I, if I remember correctly, um, you went downstairs and did nothing, right? Who, me? No, Todd. Todd did do nothing. I, I'd like to say that I was with you guys in spirit, and it was due to that spirit we were able to win the battle. But I felt that at this point in time, you guys could win the fight on your own. I think I've taught enough. <laughs> you of all people, Bob, should have learned enough of the skills that I've had so I decided to take a break this fight. And yeah, I did go downstairs. Oh, okay. But we came out victorious. You guys didn't need me. This this makes sense. This time. Excellent, gentlemen. Again, thank you so much for completing that run uh, that buys you another month of my advice. So uh, what is it that you need to know? What's up next for you guys? Sorry, can I? Can we stop? I got to ask a question about that blimp thing. Sure. Um, sure. Moyle was not a robot then. Like, how does that work? I was thinking the same thing, Arlen. <laughs> I was like, how does that work? Let me worry about that in the intro to the timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly bits of it. Okay. I just, I'm just, i sorry. Can I, can I add another question onto the blimp thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the name of the uh, Kipper Steve? No, not Kipper Steve. What was the name of the- Spooky, Spooky Leo. Leo. Spooky Leo. Spooky Leo. Spooky Leo. That's it. Kipper Steve was a mushroom. Yeah, it was the mushroom you murdered, yeah. um, and whose children you later crapped out into a civilization in the Winnemajo, which you guys then tricked <laughs> into moving into what effectively was a magical reservation. You're horrible fucking people. <laughs> <laughs> murdered? I like to think more like 
absorb the soul of and temporarily relocated. I tried to give you adorable mushroom doozers to fix your <laughs> magical fucking beast. Yep. And Harlan was like, they were squatters. They turned, they were squatters. I'm not, I'm not a fan of squatters. What the worst part of you being like, I don't want them watching me when I, when I sleep is Moyle, the fucking Warforge doesn't sleep at all. And the two elves only meditate for four hours. Uh Your life for the last year has been nothing but people watching you sleep. And the ones that really wanted to help you out of altruistic goodness of their own heart, you wanted to have nothing to do with, but I digress. So... Yeah, yeah, more of the Warforge watches Todd like helper from Venture Brothers. <laughs> wow. So gentlemen, I, I know it's been a, a trying time, but what um what uh, what what's up next for you? We um uh as as much as it is appreciated that uh you have helped us, I have to go to Sama. I have to go to my land. Oh I have oh, to go okay. help my people. Okay. Which which port were you looking to go out of? Because um, if you were to go down to Amsoon, that's going to take you right through Hiko. And I don't think that would be the best idea for you. Um, you you landed here in the port of Toba to the north, right, Baba? Correct. Fantastic. Gentlemen, uh, Elias is from the north, and uh, he, he came down here with me to consult on some issues that may actually be interesting to you. Uh, th- th- this, this, uh, this, uh, uh, Elias, I have known for some time, uh, he had an encounter in his youth, which is very similar to your situation with the shards embedded in your body. Um, Elias, if you, if you would please, uh, and, and for, and when you talk to them, sometimes you have to use smaller words. So mm. two syllables or less is ideal. Mm. I shall do my best. Hello, everyone. Oh, that was that was three syllables. Hello, people. <laughs> very good. You're doing good. You're very very good. Yes. But <laughs> uh, it is nice to meet you. My name is Elias Terari. Uh-huh. There was three syllables, but unfortunately, it's my name. I can't I can't really drop one. <laughs> uh, we'll write it down for them phonetically on a on a card. They have trouble saying complex names. It's okay. You can check. M- might we call you Eli? <laughs> Well, um, that's a little unorthodox, but of course, yes. I'm perfectly okay with you calling me Eli, yes. It's very nice to meet all of... Could... uh, Yes? Could we call you E? No, no, no. There needs to be at least two syllables. (laughs) E is just a sound, I feel like. E is... E is what you say when you... When you step on your cat's tail by mistake, Mm. and you look down and go, (laughs) as the cat jumps into the air. I'm sure we've all been there, haven't we? It's it's also the sound that occasionally you'll hear when you pleasure your partner, but none of you would be familiar with that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ognum, you dog. I have never owned a cat. Uh, Well, uh, Baba, you are a cat. Which is why I've never owned one. (laughs) Are are you actually, do you identify with cats? To what degree, I know that you're, you resemble a feline, but. uh, I, I, uh, we see them as a, a a lesser evolved uh, version of ourselves. Ah, like, like us and the bovines. See, yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, Well, uh, see. (laughs) <laughs> I've recently been to Mexico, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, I uh, actually hail from the north. Uh, I hail from the the city of, well, not really city, more the the proud nation of Samadutsen, 
Uh, we, uh, you may have, may not be familiar with us. We, I think, tend to be sort of uh, lost in the shuffle uh, with the Iron Congress. Uh, but uh, we, uh, we are based uh, up north in Cardona. Sama Watson? Uh, Sama Dutson. God bless you. Uh, I, that is far too many syllables. See, I did warn you. <laughs> yes, the first sil- the first part should be easy to pick up because uh, I believe uh, Baba, you said you are also from. You said you are from Sama, so Sama, and then Dutsen. Sama Dutsen, four syllables. Sama Dutsen. <laughs> Dutsen with a D. Uh, just think of it as two words that you are saying together very quickly. Sama Dutsen. <laughs> Sama Dutsen. Like tribe called question. Dear brother Noopsy. Yes, yes, yes. Very well. So Sama Dutsen it is. Um, I, I understand that you have to kind of rearticulate and explain for my uh. Lesser um, intelligence cohorts here, but hey, here, here he goes. But Moyle, you can say Moyle. <laughs> I'm half man, half machine. I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't going to say any names, Todd. But because we knew it wasn't about me, so we could say who it was but, about. Uh, uh, if if you if you feel the need to go ahead and explain to me, and then um, I will do my best to retranslate to them whenever they have questions. Of course. Um, thank you. You are the. You are the party whisperer, as I see. Uh, <laughs> well, I uh, came to visit uh, my old friend Ognum uh, because, well, when I in my youth, uh, on a when my, I accompanied my parents on a diplomatic mission to the Iron Congress, and while we were there, we well, as we were being given the, the tour of the premises, we happened upon a great stone, a, a stone that the, the, the Iron Congress, the, the dwarves in there uh, of the Iron Congress hold very dear to themselves. It is referred to as the Tomb of Ilsensine, and it's a beautiful and mysterious stone. And I, of course, in my youthful folly, snuck away from the tour group and approached the stone because I, I had heard that if you stared at it long enough, the stone would speak to you. <laughs> And uh, although the stone did not speak to me, uh, I did notice that as I looked at it, it had it flashed different colors, the cracks in it, when the colors appeared to glow the longer I looked at them. So I thought, well, what's the harm? Let's try touching it. So I climbed upon the plinth, touched the stone, and, well, let me tell you, the things I saw, no person should see. It's as though my mind became one with not just all of this reality, but all of many other realities. I saw layers upon layers upon layers. Uh, I saw every possible future. I don't remember most of them, so don't bother asking. People always ask, but I don't remember most of them. I only remember that one individual, not in this room, but somewhere in the world, is going to die on the toilet. <laughs> And it was very embarrassing. Uh, but I don't know where that was. But the important thing to remember is that I, culminating in this vision, I, I witnessed a silvery figure, a beautiful individual who seemed to, to change gender, change race. The, the more I looked at them, it's as though looking at a diamond and you see all of the different facets flashing and glowing as they catch the light. It's as though, as while looking at this person, I was seeing all the different facets of that person. It was, it was astonishing. And when I came to, when the vision ceased, I found that I had developed great powers, uh, psychic powers. And in fact, uh, at this point, I switched to speaking directly into your mind and you just hear my voice inside of your head, fate. Don't do that. 
As, Who did that? Where is that voice coming from? <laughs> Only fate hears this. Everybody else just sees me sort of gesturing still and not moving my mouth, but just looking at fate as though I'm talking to them. Fate, you hear. So, of course, I, knowing that Ogdom is an expert, uh, the foremost expert in these sorts of matters, I uh, thought it best to try and get to the bottom of what happened to me, finally, after all these years. And so that's why I'm here. And... If I didn't say it before, I, I want to reiterate just how much of a pleasure it is to meet you and your companions. Did, did he did he stop talking? So Fate's mouth falls agape a little bit. His hands flare up to get everybody's attention. And then I do our psychic mind link and tell everyone he's talking to me inside of my head the same way I'm doing to you right now. Can you guys hear this? Okay, before you answer that question, ah, welcome back to the podcast, guys. <laughs> your your psychic bond has experienced the point where there's no more saving throw. You guys now have to uh, reveal an extremely personal fact about your character or the situation that they're in every time your psychic bond is engaged. And unfortunately, because you did this while linked to Elias, he has been pulled into this bond and must now answer the same <laughs> question as you. And and it's just it's been bouncing around all of your head since then. The whole wait a minute, if Tabaxi are cat people, then what the deuce are cats? And if Goofy is a dog, and so is Pluto, how does that work? So, what is the one weird unanswered question that your character obsesses about that keeps him up at night? Starting with Todd the Tiefling. Right, I was gonna start. <laughs> how did that? Did I really see a square turd? come out of that butt like was that was those really square turns <laughs> i'm still trying to think of the uh, he just like no just the physics of it is like what how is this if moyle sphincter is round <laughs> how are the turns square <laughs> just, he just can't fathom it he just thinks about it. it's like square did i see that <laughs> did todd was todd performing colonoscopies on dragonborn moyle <laughs> Just, I, Dragonborn Moyle <laughs> left those turds everywhere. There were no avoiding them. Yeah, but how did he know that his colon is round or his sphincter is round? I know what my colon's like, and I'm just like square turds. Like it just, it just it, I can't fathom it. <laughs> you both have tails. There was a lot of Todd looking in the mirror with his tail pulled up. All right, Moyle, you're up. What does a strong five nine even mean? <laughs> if you're either a height or you're not. Is he adding inches? <laughs> I mean, I'm not at the doctor's office. I don't have one of those giraffe charts on the side of the win and major to see just how tall he is. But you know strong five nine when you see a strong five nine. <laughs> it's five, five eight. eight for fuck's sake. It's your own character. Aldrin. First off, I, I swear to God I was gonna ask if if uh, he wanted to know if Moyle's old body had a square butthole because he had square poop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Elgin obviously then would think, uh, where the hell did this package come from? My uh, adopted father's been dead for years, and there's no way he could have possibly mailed this to me recently. So how would he know where I would be? So if Baba identifies as a cat, is there a wrong direction to say pet him. Whoa. The hell are you always touching? <laughs> Caliente. <laughs> he didn't say stop. He didn't say stop. He just wanted to know. Uh... Can I add something? Sure. H hold on. Uh, Elias, uh, I got another call coming in uh, from, uh, from fate. Just let me know when you're going to add something. <laughs> that, that, that was the addition. 
Okay. All right. The psychic call waiting <laughs> clicks in. Do I hear hold music as soon as that happens? You're waiting for everyone to connect on because uh, you, you were talking to us and then fate was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Line two. To psychically project to Todd, <laughs> press one. To psychically project to... Oh, I just want to talk to a person. Can we please? I just want to talk to a person. I'm afraid you're in the wrong group of people. <laughs> Baba, what you got? Um, do other creatures really not lick themselves clean? <laughs> Is that not a thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh my god uh, um mr cobb uh, what would what keeps elias up at night other than agreeing to appear on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> man i got two i got two he's generous bring it <laughs> the first one is people all over the world drink cow's milk and minotaurs are similar to cows if i were to milk my mother would I be able to sell her milk to unsuspecting foreigners and they wouldn't be able to tell the difference? I need to talk to mummy about this. This could be a real big business opportunity. Uh, oh, no. And the other one was, look, minotaurs can get married to other minotaurs. If cows are just another form of minotaur, what's, what's wrong with, you know, a little minotaur on bovine love? Look, they have very thick haunches. Very meaty. Them, them cows are caked up. <laughs> caked up cows. Not caked up cows. <laughs> Eli is on, uh, how do you pronounce the shark people? Sahin? I have no idea. But Sahin Tank pitching Minotaur Mom Milk, his new pro line of <laughs> See, I'd be advertising it as cow's milk, but I know that it's it's from actual minotaur women. It's a renewable resource. <laughs> it's entirely consensual. For the first time, they're actually able to say yes. So, so about three minutes pass where you're all staring off into the middle distance, and uh, you hear Ognum go, uh, gentlemen, gentlemen. Yeah. It's a good source of calcium. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> I wasn't in on that, but I'm strangely uncomfortable. <laughs> See, I knew you would hit it off. Uh, uh, Eli was my first um, test subject. Probably violates some kind of law somewhere. So we'll say patient or, or, or study uh, study buddy. Uh, and when his encounter with the stone and its ability to pierce reality is, is so similar to what you guys had. I finally made the connection recently, and it opens up the possibility that there are other extra-dimensional fragments out there. So just be very aware that you're not as special as you thought you were. Uh, on that note, since you gentlemen are headed north anyway, and Eli needs a trip back, this would be a great way for you guys to get ahead of your next trip. Mainly so your DM doesn't have to come up with a hackneyed fetch quest to edit in as it interstitial between the two arcs. So why don't you guys, Eli, if you don't mind, now that half of you don't sleep, has an extra bunk, you guys can uh, hop in the Winamajo and head to the north and drop Eli off on the way to the port of Toba to catch a ship down to Sama. Oh, I couldn't impose. Please, only if you feel comfortable. Don't worry, you're not imposing. Well, thank you. Now you're in, you're in a dish rotation. Oh. So, just know that. 
there is a chore wheel. Just know that. No, no, no. There is no dish rotation. It's just Todd's chore. Like, it's not Todd's chores. He's the only one who does the dishes. Don't let him tell you otherwise. Not Todd's chores. That is only him. Not Todd's chores. The dish rotation. Moyo can't do it because he would rust. Um, ex- 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 excuse me. Excuse me, Eldrin. I'm, I'm sorry, but just knowing Todd, I do not trust him to clean the dishes properly. <laughs> I'll take care of that. Gentlemen, look, you have to let me, in payment, as payment uh, for your kindness, allow me to show you. Uh, and I'll, f- like, point to some piece of dirt that, it, like, uh, some, you know, we're in a workshop, so a piece of soiled equipment that's gotten a little dirty. And I'll say, observe. Uh, and you see Elias flourishes his hand dramatically, and the dirt appears to, like, rise off of the like equipment almost as if it's like it's being as if it's being like reversed back through time you see like all of these other like as the dirt is rising up you see like an infinite number of possible other smudges that could have been there all being lifted off and they dissolve into thin air uh, as I cast prestidigitation, and I say, I can I can clean the dishes in a flash. Don't worry. If it's the dishes you're worried about, please leave it to me. It's the least I can do. I like that trick, and you might want to use that on Moyle's old mattress if you're going to be sleeping on it, because I don't trust the stains that's on that thing. Uh, if you remember correctly, you and Moyle shared a bunk, Todd. That was the way the rolls worked out. <laughs> Well, a bunk is not a bed. He just top and bottom, top and bottom bunk. Moyle was also yeah. top yeah. bunk, so yeah, there is some trickle down Moylenomics going on. No, 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 yeah, no, no. Can I roll insight to see who made those stains? <laughs> yes, please, please do. You absolutely must now. <laughs> I want to see if I can discern the source of those stains. Oh, I rolled a natural three. <laughs> oh, you know I'm going to spend. I'm going to spend uh, a sorcery point <laughs> to use to use. Oh, what's it called? Magical guidance. Uh, and I'm going to reroll. Uh, <laughs> it's a three again. Oh no! No, <laughs> it's not that Elias isn't that perceptive. It's that the it's so stained. It is really like trying to look at one of those three D like three D pictures from the nineties and realign it into the image of a sheet. It's a bad scene. Uh, so, is there any last minute supplies you guys want to grab before you hit the road? Laundry detergent. Now, I mean, I'd like to buy a mattress. <laughs> I'd like to just buy a new mattress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, you guys load up in the one major. Question number one: Who's driving? Eldrin. Eldrin's driving. Who's got shotgun? Baba. All right. So Eldrin and Baba are in the front. Uh, Elias, where are you going to hang out at? So the party of five leads you around the side of Ogham's towering warehouse and you see a land boat? Uh, No, a giant stagecoach. Nope. Long haul trucking vehicle. It is a effectively the size of two long haul trucking carriages, almost bolted together. Has three wheels, two big wheels in the front, one in the back. Uh, it raises up about 15 feet off of the ground. Has this strange composite metal. It's a material you actually have have never seen. It's actually a super highly advanced polycarbonate plastic from another dimension, but uh, it it has a a weird sheen to it. And then it has been touched up here and there as it was excavated and put back together. A little ladder folds down from the door and you step up into it. And it's a a very lovely, well-appointed house on wheels on the inside. Uh, The front seat has a couple of large chairs behind some ship's wheels uh, and then a strange compass device globe 
Uh, there's a couple of smaller couches behind those pilot seats. There's a, a well-appointed dining area with the aforementioned sink, which seems to function with a, a little bit of a magical water elemental purpose to it. Ironically, it magically cleans the dishes, so you're not exactly sure what the fuss was all about about dish duty. It's almost as if Todd might have been making the chore up to seem like he is busy. <laughs> a little library and nook uh, where clearly fate spends all his time, and then a cargo area. Todd, are you bringing your the Todd mobile, the Todd cycle? Yep. Have we set? Are we settling on Todd cycle, Todd mobile? What what is what are we going with the the Todd pod? <laughs> Todd pod, I think is Todd pod. Todd pod is good. Todd pod. Todd pod is good. <laughs> yeah, we're going with the Todd pod. Um, in the back of the vehicle, next to the Todd pod, there is a and it has a, almost a slight echoing hum to it. A semicircular stone encasement that pulses with this blue energy. Um, that uh, you've heard Ogman talk about this reactor before and how he found it up and how both interesting and dangerous it is. Um, and it's one of the, like the scene in the Ghostbusters where they power on the proton packs and everybody kind of <laughs> scooches away from it in the elevator. That is your first reaction to go, oh, that's that's interesting, and then kind of scooch away from it. So uh, we've got uh, Eldrin up at the uh, up the front driving. We've got Baba in the passenger seat. Elias, where would you like to hang out in the in the in the back at one of the tables in the nook? Uh, I'm very interested in just at least gazing at this humming, scary, uh, circular machine, uh, even if it's from like slightly removed from it. So I'm not at risk of touching it. I've learned my lesson <laughs> after the last time. Uh, and it does seem to echo perhaps back and forth with your psychic resonance. Uh, Fate, where are you at? Um, I'm in my nook. Over in the corner, we're doing more reading and study. Todd, where you be? Todd's going to be in the big room in the back doing push-ups and sit-ups. Okay, clearly trying to impress the Minotaur that you're intimidated by. <laughs> Moyle, where are you? Just like, gotta let him know, show dominance. Can I use the uh, nuclear reactor to charge my batteries? Um, You, okay, so let's, let's go ahead and work through this. Boy. You go back into the back and approach the encasement that you have been warned very explicitly not to mess with. Give me a, let's do this as an arcana roll, or even since you're a Warforged now, I would even let a medicine roll work for you since it's on you and it's your own body. Okay. It's a 14. 14. All right. So the good news is you don't blow yourself up and the good news is you don't blow up the vehicle. So yeah, you are able to, I almost want to think it's almost like wireless charging. Like you just not sit on top of it, but kind of scoot your butt up to the back of it. Like uh, animal kind of scooching up to something warm and then back into it and then make hard eye contact with Eli for the, the next leg of the journey. <laughs> I'm surprised that is the way he was facing. <laughs> <laughs> And my eyes, my eyes uh, start to uh, light up and the moss on my body starts to raise and my pentahedron shark glows brighter. So Eli, as you're watching this guy, and Andrew, I don't know that we've ever got, done the full Moyle Reborn, really taken ownership of his form description yet. So if you would, for the guest and for the, for the audience at home, give us the full look of new Warforged Moyle. Moyle has changed a bit. Grass is growing out of his head like a chia pet and after a hard rain the my grassy hair grows very long and can be styled and trimmed back uh, also part of my 
body has cloves growing out of it like hair. Uh, some of it's poking through metal parts, such as my chest. My chest is made of metal as well as my back. So essentially I have chest hair and back hair. Uh, when, uh, when there is a, a hard rain, the cloves will be weighed down. And from a distance, it'll almost look like I am covered in green scales. Uh, I have a top hat, um, but it's made out of foliage and flowers um, that grow out of a giant uh, Amanita mascara mushroom. Um, my uh, my cheeks my cheeks are sunken in and gaunt, and that's for both pairs of them. And uh, I've got uh, metal elbows, uh, shoulders, the palms of my hand, as well as a cod piece, uh, like Michael Jackson had. <laughs> it's the sound of the squeaking as your joints move. <laughs> the metal is uh, patinaed at like a uh, copper, so it's a bit of a greenish color. So it's a lot of different greens. Um, and then there's also brown vines that are like the tendons that hold the metal together, metal joints together. And then um, when I'm angered, the grass will turn to thorns. Very, very robot left to age in a swamp. Mm. And there's also glowing moss in, in certain parts. And uh, under a black light, that moss will definitely glow. Did you say uh, you have a concave butt? Oh, no. Then I said gaunt. Gaunt. I mean, caked down. Yeah, really, not caked up, caked down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uncaked. Unlike those bovine, you've been decaked. <laughs> the opposite. Concaked. It's more like con concaked, like concave but concave. <laughs> yeah, concaked. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, so while I'm looking this up, um, why don't you guys talk about what kind of route you want to take? And please, by all means, give your guest Eli a tour of the Winnemajo. This this is where I do my push-ups and my sit-ups at. Yes, I can smell the sweat. It's it's really sunk into the carpet here. <laughs> a lot of sit-ups. If you think that smells sunk in, wait till you check out my bedroom. <laughs> oh, boy, what does that smell like? Also sweat? Did you just invite our new guest into your bedroom? Is that what you just did? What's well, our bed? It's our bedroom. <laughs> I mean, bunkmate. I I just assumed that you wished to, to show me the incredible decorations. Please lead the way. Uh, of course. Uh, and let let's uh, let's head to the kitchen. And do you want to grab a snack, uh, Eli? Oh, uh, certainly. Uh, what what do you have? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. What do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to yes and my proposal. <laughs> what kind do you have? Truffles? Caviar? What are we talking about? Hors d'oeuvres? Do we have uh, finger foods? Like, uh, uh, am I to expect a prosciutto uh, rolls with cheese? What are we... Hearing Moyle trying to give a... Uh, a a lesson on the cuisine of the uh, Winnemajo. Fate immediately perks up. My dear Eli, let me, uh, let, let, let me, more, if you, if you don't mind. Oh, please. Take E around uh, the, uh, Eli. The Winnemajo. Oh, right. <laughs> well, uh, j just, just so much the kitchen. Uh, you can continue the rest of the tour after, but it seems like you're a little lost here. Um, um, Eli, we've got a fine assortment of dried nuts, berries, cheeses, breads. Um, we're a little short on the meats. Uh, we do manage to keep some jerkies here. Uh, there are some of the uh, aviary, some... Uh... Eli, if you would give me a perception check real quick. Of course. That's a two. Um, okay. What do I have? I don't know if I have a plus to this. Uh, that is a three. Very perceptive. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you do not pick up on the fact that fate seems to be just describing different types of Slim Jims and corn nuts and jerky that they have arrayed 
in the different, like he's almost got like a, a gift basket that you would send to another dude that he keeps rotating around, like in the one basket. <laughs> These must be Southern delicacies. Oh, this is so exciting. They look delectable. I can't wait to try them. Indeed. Indeed. Feel, feel free. Um, our uh, mobile home is your mobile home. Um, welcome. But don't touch my phone. <laughs> However, I must warn, and I don't, I, I take a second to look around. Is Baba around where he can hear me? I whisper, do do your best to avoid uh, the wine. Um, our friend Baba has been having a bit of a time and he's become rather fond of it. Um, so it's more or less his. And I don't know how well he would take to you consuming it. Right. From the front, he, he doesn't hear what they're saying, but he just yells back, you better not be in my wine. <laughs> <laughs> He wants his accent and everything for that. (laughs) There are just rows and rows of Angry Cat 2020 in the Winamajo fridge. (laughs) (laughs) Not Angry Cat. That's canon now. Angry Cat 2020. (laughs) It is the straight up grape flavor. It is not good. After hearing that announcement, I just kind of look at Eli. I mm. give a nod, and, but feel free to uh, enjoy and just you know clean up after yourselves. The uh, the the dining tables are here. This is more of the uh, the study area, although it's all here in the same uh, general quarters. But again, enjoy, Moyle, as you were. Yes, thank you. Before I leave the kitchen, I, t- I take a sample of every kind of Slim Jim and all the different other, like, random trucker foods and stuff. <laughs> Teriyaki's my favorite. Teriyaki is my favorite. I didn't even know they made duck Slim Jims. It is, an, it is a truly impressive array uh, of, of gas station jerky. It is absolutely just the bullshittiest gas station jerky. Yeah. Is this actually human meat? Is it really? <laughs> Seems like it should be illegal. <laughs> Can neither be confirmed nor denied. Right. It could just be a slogan. But that is definitely halfling toes <laughs> right. in, the, in this one. <laughs> so hairy. I can't wait to snap into this. <laughs> I'd like to speak to Moyle briefly. Excuse me, my good man. And I think I'm going to say this telepathically, mm-hmm. just because I'm not sure how this might be a sensitive issue. And I'll say, forgive me if this is sensitive, but I don't know if you are feeling this, but whenever we're near each other, I can feel a sort of throbbing pulse, and that's not a euphemism. It's as though something in you is resonating with something in me, as though when you bring two magnets uh, that are that have the same charge together and they repel one another, it's, it's, uh, it's very distracting and, and honestly, a little dismaying. Are you feeling anything similar? Is he saying this uh, after we enter the bedroom? Of course. <laughs> I'm saying it as uh, as we after we've entered the bedroom, completely oblivious of how it might come across. <laughs> yes, I was feeling the same, but hold on. Let me check my brother hammers to make sure they're turned off. Oh, they are. Uh, hmm. Oh, uh, Turner, you said that it's the pentahedron or was it the baculum? No, it's the pentahedron. So remember, originally, each one of your pentahedron shards aligns with one of the specific elements, fire, wind, water, and with the ether, the representations of the platonic solids. And so there's an alignment along those winds. Moyles was originally wind, which is where the feather fall ability and the resistance to lightning came in. But when Rolishaws converted himself into pure psychic energy and infused your stabilizing agent with his existence to remove himself from the pantheon and kind of take himself off the table. It altered 
your pentahedron shards alignment. So now it's more aligned with psychic energy than wind energy. So instead of like when you cast Featherfall, a wind billowing up to soften the landing of your of your friends and you uh, or your coworkers, work associates, <laughs> it's a pulsing telekinetic energy that, that flows up. So any of your wind-based spells are really more telekinetically oriented now. And that same feeling when you, in, if you were to jump off the Wind of Major and cast Featherfall and feel that psychic force pushing up off the ground to lower you softly, that feeling of the mental energy of the universe cradling you is that same push and pull and tug that you're now feeling with with Elias. So you know it's your pentahedron. And actually, you know what? Give me either a religion or an insight check, Moyle. Just feels like we're really resonating. There's there's chemistry here. If you roll low, you 100% think he's hitting on you. So A 10? With a 10, I'm going to say it's both. You th- you realize that there's that this is probably tied to the change in your shard with Ralashaz having crammed a deity's worth of psychic energy into it. But also, you might just be vibing with this Minotaur. A little from column A, a little from column B. Is a Minotaur, is Minotaurs are half human, half uh, cow or bull, right? Sort of like a humanoid looking cow person. Yeah, he stands upright. He kind of looks like he has hair, even though it's kind of similar to how cows will sometimes sometimes have like mm-hmm. longer fur on top of their heads, so it looks like they have hair. It's kind of like that. Uh, he has human hands, like humanoid actual hands with fingers, but his feet are hooves, and he has yeah. a cow tail and cow horns as well, and cow ears. Basically, all of his features are cow-like except for <laughs> his hands. So just just like the Asatar Moyle, except a cow instead of a horse. Okay, I like these robes. Thank you. I had them made custom. You're very welcome. <laughs> so, so yeah, you would be able to communicate to Eli that that you two are connected to a a extra dimensional stone, and that yours has recently had an infusion of psychic energy recently. Is is it hot in here, or is that just your psychic energy pulsating? Oh <laughs> uh, well, can I r- roll insight to see if? <laughs> please, please do. <laughs> Please roll us out of this scene because I need to get you guys on the road and doing something. <laughs> okay, that's an 18. You realize that there is a psychic battery a la Iron Man style residing in this organic robot's chest. Mm, okay. So I will simply say, oh, I, I, I apologize. I think I may have come on a little too strong. I was simply talking about our psychic resonance. You see, I can see that your battery has psychic uh, energies uh, wafting off of it, much of the same way as I have psychic energies wafting off of me. Please, uh, do not uh, do not be fooled. Uh, I am not interested in anything further than simply a, a scholarly discussion. <laughs> you are simply not caked up enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Moyo's, Moyo's head slumps down and he hears a, a power down noise. <laughs> oh, I'm He's cakeless. He's <laughs> oh, I've been I've been led on yet again. Ever so sorry. I'll just leave you to it, shall I? He's still coming to terms with the fact that he's smooth as a Ken doll now that he's in a uh in a warforged body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as I leave, I want to minor illusion him some cakes. <laughs> 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 
All right, so you guys finally uh, head out on the road um, and head north. Now, remember, there isn't a winding way that runs through Taliesin. Very, very specifically, the wide, flat plain that surrounds the city is bordered by one of the winding ways. So it runs right up to the edge of that plain that was flattened and cleared out back when the city was originally settled and now serves as a a little bit of a pavilion and, and event area, as well as a border of demarcation for the kaiju that occasionally attack the city. But along the edge of that, the winding way runs around it. So you guys originally, you get on uh, one of the winding ways and head north and start trucking out. Eldrin slides in some hair metal and you guys start heading north. And at, at first, it's a relatively uneventful trip. You, you guys are rocking along pretty well, but Eldrin and Baba, give me perception checks. We'll see which one of you spots this first. A? My money's on Eldrin. Anybody got some taking bets? <laughs> Eldrin can roll for shit. Uh, Eldrin has rolled a crit. Oh, shit. So, fuck you. Uh- <laughs> 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 Okay, okay, never mind. <laughs> Baba, what'd you get? An 11. Not a crit. All right. Not a crit. <laughs> Baba, you have gotten up to gone back to count your bottles of Angry Cat 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so you do not spot it. But Eldrin, further down the road, you can see where two carts have been pushed up to block the roadway. I mean, you've seen a bandit trap before. Um, this doesn't look like that because it's left a small lane in the middle. So this more seems to be to slow traffic down. And on each side of the road, there are four mounted figures in armor sitting and waiting for vehicles to approach. And you can see a very heavily armored driverless carriage. It's one of the mercantile guild's reinforced carriages. Um, there's been a just a strange amount of bandit activity lately. And there has been some rumors of a new bandit king in the area, uh, a rumor to be called the, the Dread Githyanki Roberto. And his crew oh, no. has been really just waiting laying passengers left and right. So the Mercantile Guild has been taken to creating heavily, heavily armored uh, driverless carriages so that people can get in them, basically sit like in the back of an armored car, and then it automatically drives down the winding way to its destination. And you see one of those pull up to this checkpoint and somebody pop their head out and talk to one of the armored figures and pop their head in and then pop back out and hand them like a little satchel of papers. And then those papers get handed back and they travel along the way. So clearly this is some kind of checkpoint. And as you glance up ahead and you're staring at it and you're like, okay, those are knights. Those are not rangers because you guys have gotten, have gotten far enough north. Taliesin's, you know, roughly around Ohio-ish kind of area. So you guys at about three hours in moving at a good trip in the Winter Major are starting to get to the edges of where the Cardanan border. Um, and that's where you know that the Crimson Rangers take over. Fantasy Mounties, everybody, because oh, fantasy. <laughs> so it stands out that this, these are not the law enforcement officials that you would normally expect to be conducting this kind of checkpoint along the way. But you also realize the increased bandit activity may be related to that. What you doing? Eldrin is going to shout back to the rest of the, the vehicle. Uh, hey, guys, I think they're doing like a checkpoint up here. Uh, does anyone have anything that like we shouldn't have in the car? Uh, who's carrying? Yeah. Eldrin just do a who's <laughs> carrying fucking roll? <laughs> With a nat 20, you know for a fact that Moyle has got a stash somewhere. <laughs> yeah. There is no way you have found all Moyle's stashes in the Winamajo. Yeah, I'm, I'm not thrilled about that. Fate immediately replies, does Moyle count? Yeah. Moyle, Moyle comes out with his caked up cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not hiding anything. Uh, Elias just starts saying to himself, 
All the other bots with their caked up cheeks better run. <laughs> uh, I don't believe I have anything that could be considered contraband. I only have what I brought with me. Also a potion of greater healing, but I don't think that should be a problem. I'm going to pull up to this checkpoint like, and just talk to these guys. Everyone just chill out for a bit. Uh, we'll see what's going on, I guess. Uh, you should bring, I think, Fate Witcher. Doesn't he do mage, mage handies? Yeah. Doesn't fate- he give mage handies? <laughs> no, no. Not mm-hmm. you? Okay. No. Mm. Now, was that a different podcast? Wait, <laughs> was Mage Handy a one-shot? It feels like that's not mainstream cast. <laughs> Mage Handy was the one-shot. It was the one-shot. Oh, yeah, okay. Mage Handy was the one-shot. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's a non-canon <laughs> hand job. It's like the Star Wars legend of hand jobs. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Fader>, you... <laughs> What are you doing? No, no, I want, I, I want, I want no part of this. You were DMing the Mage Handy shit. What are you talking about? Oh. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I was talking about the fucking Mounties that we're dealing with. I'm not going okay. out there with that. The Mage Handy reference. Yeah. So I'm just gonna talk to these guys by myself. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can, I can help talk if anybody needs. I have decent charisma, and I, I am rich. So, <laughs> uh, I like the I like the sound of that. Okay, here, come come sit up with me, uh, Elias. Uh, we'll just we'll just try to diffuse any potential issues here. I think we're good. Uh, I mean, we're just traveling through, so we should be okay. I just intimidate people. See me and they get intimidated. So you don't want any. I don't want to go up there. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, <laughs> you guys roll to a slow stop. There are four on each side uh, of these mounted knights in full plate. Number one, they all look exactly the same. So it is a very traditional riveted plate with the right shoulder being a heavier, broader shoulder piece that kind of flares up a little bit on the left-hand side. They all are wielding two-handed weapons of a various sort. There, You see two great swords, two great clubs, two great axes, and then two of them actually have these just massive, massive, would almost be impossible for a normal human to wield them bows. We're going to call them great bows because that matches the theme. And as you guys slow to a stop, they array themselves in a semicircle around the, the front of the Winamajo, kind of repositioning themselves a little bit. And one of the ones with a great sword rolls up to it. Now that they're a little bit closer and that you and Elias are up at the front, Elias and Eldrin, give me a perception check check real quick because there is there's one other distinguishing feature about these guys oh ready all right 13 this time 13 for me as well no bonuses to perception there's a dc 10 check because so much of these guys are uniform in plane. like you could line them up next to each other and then shuffle them around like you're playing the, the cup game and you would not be able to pick them out in a lineup. Their face masks are completely obscuring. There's no slits for nose or mouth. And in fact, it doesn't appear to have any way to raise the face plate up. There are just these thin slits for eyes. But hanging from each of their belts mm-hmm. on a long chain is an incredibly ornate sensor that is emitting a very familiar sweet smelling smoke. Ooh. Eldrin, you realize, oh, Fuck, these are Tritherion paladins. And they don't they don't make any action to you yet. The one slowly rides up to because remember the winter major is pretty high up. So this guy on horseback, even being somewhat of a towering knight, when he rides up to your window, he's pretty much almost eye level with the, the lower lip of the window. So you're still looking down on him at the kind of the top of his helm, Eldrin. And he gives you a 
Sir, I'm going to need to see your papers. I did not roll down the window yet. I just make a gesture like, uh, I can't find the 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 uh, the thing to roll it down. I'm looking for it like I don't own this vehicle, uh, but but I should know where it is uh, just to buy some time to tell everyone, hey, guys, uh, get ready. This could go badly very quickly. These are the uh, the same nights that we ran into back in the checkpoint. So Baba Baba being still in the in the front, do I can I see? Can I make them out now? Yeah, I will say that you've come back up to the front now, Bobby. Since I really just made you go check your wine uh, out of a low roll, you walk back up to the front and see these guys arrayed in kind of a semicircle. Okay, so I'm a, I'm gonna grab Elias and, and gesture him to the back. Um, we, we're going to let Eldrin handle this one. <laughs> oh, uh, a- am I familiar with these particular paladins? Um, yeah, the Church of Trith- Trithurion is the god of lawyers and justice. They are a very well-known church. The Papacy of Trithurion is the ruling body of Hiko. Trithurion, if you imagined a uh, divine assholey Colonel Sanders, you've got Trithurion. <laughs> so the knights, um, they are paladins. They have a reputation for being strict arbiters of the letter of the law. But the Church of uh, Trithurion and the country of Hiko does not look fondly upon arcane spellcasters. So me, then. They would not like me. <laughs> they don't like creatures with fur like us. Yes. <laughs> they are not fond of uh, non-human races, and they are not fond of spellcasters that don't worship their god. So Right. I will head to the back. I will heed <laughs> Baba's advice. Uh, I will tip my tip my horns. <laughs> from a from a purely political standpoint, you guys would have had representatives from the Church of Trithurion come to, to your region. You know, it's one of the things where politically you maintain decent relations, but everybody knows these guys are really secretly assholes. Yeah, I will actually. I'll say I won't go all the way to the back. I will simply go out of sight of the front of the vehicle. So. Kind of like basically to the next room, but looking through so that I can see what's up. And if things pop off, I'm within position to possibly help. Uh, so this is kind of like a beaded curtainy situation uh, to where you'd be able to see out the front. Uh, and then there's like a large, think every movie where a cargo plane opens up the back and somebody falls out the back of it. That's what the back door situation is is like on this thing. Okay. Then I think actually I would try and crouch behind. Is this uh, this globe here? Is this an obstacle that I might be able to crouch behind and not be seen? Yeah, give me a uh, just give me a stealth roll with a with like a I'll say a ten DC. Okay. You are a minotaur, and it's like you're high, it's like crouching down behind the center, a particularly big center console in an SUV. Yeah, like if you scoot yourself down the right way, you can do it, but it ain't easy. All right, let's give this a shot. Eighteen becomes a nineteen. Nice. Uh, he folds himself up into a very tight little package. Whoa, Jeezy <laughs> Jazz. Uh, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a collapsible cow. <laughs> and just shrink down. <laughs> you see the guy make the motion at like the rolling down window motion. Oh yes, that's right. Okay, that. So Eldrin starts rolling down the the window. Does he know where like the papers he might need would be? Like, did Ognum tell us about like a registration or anything like that? They're in the glove box. Do I know what a glove box is? <laughs> no, you you absolutely do not. You do have Ogstar though. If you needed to engage Ogstar, Moyle grabs a uh, toilet paper and tosses it to him. Do I? I mean, I guess I have to talk to the off the night first. Just so he doesn't get hissy about it. Oh yeah. So, uh, hey, hi, uh, sir. How's it going, uh, sir? We're going to need to see your papers. Oh, uh, 
I, I'm not quite sure where they are. Uh, I might have placed it. Can I? Can I? Can I just check with the uh, my, my my friend who actually lent us the vehicle to make sure that they are in the. This is not your vehicle. Is that what you're saying? No, it it is. I'm I'm I rented it from a friend. Uh, I have uh, some paperwork somewhere. I'm just not quite sure where he where he placed it when we left. Oh, bro, just just give me the persuasion <laughs> check, please. Can I help with this? Yes, I really. There there are a couple things that I can do here. Okay, there is. Uh, the possibility of me casting detect thoughts mm-hmm. and reading this person's mind just at the surface level and then yeah. feeding all that information telepathically to Eldrin okay. so that he has a leg up on knowing what best to say based on this dude's mood. Okay. Or Goddamn. there is the option of me, uh, I have minor illusion. Mm-hmm. And if we need to, if I know what these papers look like, I could just fake them. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I like the idea of the detect thoughts. So is there a saving throw for that, for just surface thoughts? No, not for surface thoughts. Only if you're trying to go deep. Yeah, okay. Then, yeah, I, I love the idea of that, especially with Elias's uh, a power set. Okay, so basically anyone who is looking at Elias, anyone who sees him from behind would notice uh, he is shockingly caked up. Uh, you can see it now through his <laughs> robe as he crouches. But if you see him from the front... Bob is impressed. Uh, <laughs> his eyes <laughs> seem to fade away into this blanket of stars that are just reflected behind, like, inside of his eye holes. It looks like a vast void of stars. Uh, and the it's like the the space between him and that other guy, the, the guard's mind, seems to warp. I think it's only visible if you're, like, looking directly at Elias, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like... It, it almost seems as though their minds, like space warps and their heads like fuse and are overlapped Ooh. as if like, they're occupying the same space as I basically on like a quantum level meld my mind with this guy uh, to try and read his thoughts and then pass all of that information to Eldrin so I can give him the help action. So as you dip into the surface level thoughts of this paladin, it's very much, if you're as old enough as I am, if you are looking at a program in basic, you you absolutely know this is an organic being. You absolutely know it's alive-ish, but it is very much step one, ask for papers. If papers received, review papers and warn of bandits. If papers not received, signal attack. Oh, God. There is no other nuance to it. It is a very basic programmed set of instructions almost as if the humanity of this guy has been boiled away over time just leaving this pure programmatic organic flesh bot that seems to be serving the some some basic purpose for the church i would i would pass basically i would say to eldrin eldrin you'd hear in your mind uh, abort 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 i can minor illusion you some papers just show him the papers. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Like, get some, grab some papers. A minor illusion. The images onto them, or press to digitate, whichever is necessary, and we can just get out of this. Because if we do not show him papers, they will attack. Okay. Uh, 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 so Eldrin rummages around. Uh, can I do an investigation check for papers and <laughs> Can Moyo throw him toilet paper, thinking it's the papers that are needed? Sure. Give me a to hit roll just to see how that goes. <laughs> oh, Wait, what is he hitting? Toilet paper. What is it to hit roll? It's a ro- it's a toilet paper roll. <laughs> yes, from the bathroom. I can just roll a twenty. Yeah, just ro- just roll a d twenty. I'm just amazed that these are the rolling papers he went with. <laughs> you can't just you just can't give blunt papers to the pop. Moyle has turned a new leaf because he can't get high. Four. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a four? It was a four. Yeah. 
Oh, God. Okay. So, Baba, you are hit in the back of the head by something cushiony uh, and surprisingly velvety soft for this time period. Uh, <laughs> one of the uh, first things that magical techno advancement was uh, was used to make was to make non-splintering toilet paper. Right, Harland? <laughs> right? Non-splintering <laughs> toilet paper? Not, yes. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable 20-minute rant on how the Chinese kept the good toilet paper to themselves for several decades. <laughs> Baba, give me a... Uh, oh, no, wait. You went to the back, right? I'm sorry. My bad. How would Elias react to being hit in the back of the head by something soft and fluffy? I would probably blink. I would start and blink, just kind of very confused, and just turn around to see what happened. Okay, give me then give me another stealth roll to see if you don't blow your cover hiding behind the thing as you, as you kind of flex around to being hit by the toilet paper. This time it's a 19. It becomes a dirty 20. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, nice. Nice. So, Eldrin, Eli offered to cast a spell which would produce some av- illusory papers for you. Yes, mm-hmm. you would have the option of getting up and rummaging around and doing an insight check. Or you can tell Eli, yep, hit me up with the illusion. Or you can uh, hit the Ogstar button. Dealer's choice. But I'm going to need an answer right now yeah yeah i i'll i'll ask for some some illusionary papers i, I don't want to have to wait to talk to Ogstar. okay okay this is going to go swimmingly do we have any physical papers that i can put the illusion on top of see that's that's what that's I what i would that's the ideal scenario but if not that's a oh, toilet papers that- you did just get hit in the back of the head by a roll of toilet paper so if you would <sighs> I will t- I'll tear off some sheets and just sort of slide them forward to to Eldred and then minor illusion all of the necessary. You know what? I'm not even going to minor illusion it. I'm going to press to digitate the actual words onto the papers and just pr- and hope that they can stay. As established kind of diplomat and functionary, I think uh, Elias would absolutely be able to produce the, the right documents for it. So I'm not going to make you do a history check, but we are going to do an insight check by this paladin once you have so eldrin oh no you get this stack of marked up toilet paper what you doing is is it two ply <laughs> is it like <laughs> is it safe enough for me to transfer to him without worrying about ripping it roll for two ply my <laughs> friend let's see roll for ply oh no no please don't be one ply <laughs> roll for ply how many plies do we get roll for ply <laughs> Tenor high, tenor high. <laughs> I hope I'm not wiping my butt with one ply in this in this winter major. Oh shit! Oh no, this is single ply. <laughs> it was fate's turn to buy supplies, and you guys know how cheap fate is. You goddamn know he more than likely stole single ply out of the mage guild's bathroom and to bring it home for the winter major. <laughs> that feels right. You. God damn right I got that free toilet paper from the Mages Guild. Not that super large one roll <laughs> that's like forever. Oh, that's, man. That's, oh. Not, not work TP. Not work TP. <laughs> hey, listen. Double it over. It's two ply. <laughs> oh, my so, gosh. Fate, what have you done? <laughs> Moyle, Moyle never cared because he never wiped his ass to begin with. And now he does human shit. Oh. <laughs> that's accurate. That is accurate. El- uh, cube, cube poo comes out clean. Is That's that straight up clean double taper shit. <laughs> Knowing it's not two ply and it's one ply, uh, Eldrin gingerly hands over the papers, hoping not to tear them by accident uh, because it's so fragile uh, and hopes that this knight is 
has a gentle touch. Slide a hand roll then, baby. Slide a hand oh, roll. Oh, shit. All right. I need you to pass. You brought up fragile tea. Oh, 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 no. oh my gosh. So <laughs> these rolls. Eldrin's hands are uncomfortably sweaty <laughs> at this point from all the all the exchange that has been happening. And so you manage to get the papers, start to hold them out, and it just it's stuck to your hand and it starts to disintegrate a little bit when he reaches to him because it's like if you take one ply and then get it damp and then peel it away. So it's like now half a ply comes off and goes into the officer's hand and it stops and it reviews it. And we are going to do the insight check real quick. Can it be against my spell save DC? Yes, I will give it against your spell save DC. Okay, my spell save DC is 15. Oh, oh. is it 19? Oh. <laughs> it's it's not that. It's only a 15. That's a 19. I'm assuming that they have higher or a plus to insight. Uh, no, nah, these guys are, are friggin' uh, flesh bots. Um, so... You see, you hand it to him, you see him hold it up and there is like a brief flash of light behind the visor and you see him lower it down and go, sir, I believe there is something wrong with your papers. Get the gas! We are going to need to inspect the vehicle. There has been a rash of bandit attacks lately. Are you under duress? Blink once for yes, two for no. Elgin blinks twice. Excellent. Then you have accepted our terms to inspect your vehicle. One moment, please. <laughs> uh, should I go? I'm going to need an answer right now if you're going or not. No mm-hmm. thought, no conversing. You going to go? Eldrin is going to put the pedal to the metal and get the hell out of here. Oh, yeah. Let's roll some initiatives. <laughs> It's a big, chunky episode, folks, so I'll try and keep it brief. See, you thought I was going to say beef there, right? Beef puns were only at the beginning of the episode. This is announcement time. This is where we get serious. Quit grilling me. Harlan continues to pop up as a guest on the pop-up film cast, and over on Three Angry Gamers, Jamie is serving up all the video game news you could ever need. So be sure to check him out over there. We're streaming on Twitch every Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Central, and occasionally on Wednesdays and Fridays, we add shows throughout the months, depending upon guest availability. So make sure you head over to twitch.tv forward slash GMDLcast and give us a follow so that you can know when we go live, especially on those extra nights. Another easy way to keep track of those extra streaming episodes and all the news related to the podcast would be to head over to Twitter and follow us at GMDLcast. It's our most active social media and where you'll find the most current information about the show. We are back on a bi-weekly release schedule for campaign missions with the DM explainings and guest quests returning to the podcast feed every other week. Be sure to check out those off-week episodes, gang. We've gotten the opportunity to interview just some really great people. And the best way to encourage other guests to come on is to listen to those episodes and then head over to the guest podcast, the guest social media, the guest store, and show them a little support and love for coming over to beat the guys up in a fight night or coming over to just hang out and talk about TTRPGs. This month, we've already had Kat Kruger on, who I'm a huge fan of from D20 Dames and Adventure they wrote. She's got a new self-help book coming out in August called How to Be More D&D with some cool life advice based off of the game that we all love. And if you don't love it, then I really wonder why you're listening to us. It's not for our fucking charm. 
But anyway, get over there, follow us on Twitch, follow us on Twitter. And hey, while you're out on the internet, swing by whichever podcast platform provides you with your entertainment and rate, review, and subscribe. I know every podcast asks you to do that, maybe because there's a reason, because it does have an impact. It helps get the show in front of new listeners. It helps tell prospective listeners that the show is worth listening to and gives us an opportunity to get feedback from you. And let us know who your favorite Party of Five member is. Let us know who your least favorite Party of Five member is. We crave attention and your feedback. So please give it to us. Cool. That'll do it. Back to the show. Thirteen. Whoa, Todd. These are some beastly initiatives. Yeah, Todd didn't want initiative. <laughs> I didn't want initiative. Where were these rolls earlier? <laughs> <laughs> right? Elgin running, rolling double initiatives. I have advantage on initiative. <laughs> Check out the big initiatives on Todd. Does he look like a lich? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you try to slay him like one? <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I will smite down upon thee. With the oath of vengeance <laughs> and furious anger. <laughs> Andrew, what did you get? I got a 12. 12. All right. Todd, you feel a very familiar lurch as the Winamajo springs into life and rushes forward. And you're like, oh, we're going. Oh, shit. Real quick, give me a uh, dexterity saving throw, low DC. <laughs> Because Eldrin just guns it and you're standing in the back. You're doing burpees. <laughs> An 11. An 11. Okay. DC 10. It was just a flavor save. All right. Something's happening. Something's going. What you do, Todd? You have no idea what's going on. I know, I've got to get more information. So I have to move to the front of the, to the front and ask questions. I moved up to Bob and asked him, what, what is going on? I was out there getting a, getting a nice little sweat on and now we're just moving. What happened? Paladin's Tritherion. Oh. Glad I worked up a nice little sweat. It, when, when saying that, he pulls out his jicula and, and shield as well. It's about to go down. <laughs> Eldrin, give me a... We've been doing animal handling for your win a major role. Give me a win a major role. And this is going to be what you do on your animal handling role will be the dexterity save DC that the two paladins that were in front of the car have to make oh boy. to not be run over by the win a major. Oh, it's 21. Hit him. Ooh. Ooh, goddamn. Okay. These better be some dexterous, heavily armored paladins. <laughs> they are heavily armored. They are not dexterous, but one of them does crit. Whoa. One of the paladins is able to rear his horseback and wheel out of the way as you gun the one of Major to life. One of the paladins and his horse oh, no. does not make it, and you slam into this guy and just it's the total the winter major remember you know 15 foot tall solid rubber tires and there is a sickening squelch oh no and the sound of uh like oh my like if you've ever run over a can of beans oh no no that's exactly the sound that you hear as this this guy gets squelched and and crunched as you as you drive past him as you thunder down the road you look in your rearview mirror you see the mangled remains of this guy's horse and the comically flattened night and immediately a cloud of incense smoke begins to boil out of the sensor and circle around his body jazz you are up um (laughs) (laughs) so 
given that I was just within earshot from the kitchen to know what's going on and feeling the lurch, I'm assuming we're all in trouble. Um, I run up to the nearest window and try to identify the trouble and then destroy it. Where you're standing, remember, is the uh, is the panel door. It does have a window in the top half. Mm-hmm. So you will be able to see at it, but you could also open it up if you um, want to jump out. And remember, there is also, we established the hatch and the pilot's cabin. You guys can get up on the roof that way as well. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I don't want to get on the roof. If I'm able to uh, <laughs> lower this window to be able to uh, cast through it. This window does not lower. You would have to open the door. And you can certainly try casting through the Winamajo window, but none of you guys have ever tried that before. Pass. Heading for the roof. Oh, boy. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So I guess I'll take the rest of my action to get on up there, and then um, I'm going to do Do I have any way to see from, like, can I see the paladins from where I'm standing in the middle of the Winamajo? Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're not so close that you don't have a good angle on them. Yeah. Then, yeah, we're going to... I'm just going to assume that this is the trouble, and we're going to cast Shatter at uh, third level. What's the area of effect on Shatter? Because I will tell you, they are probably close enough that you're going to get the... Oh, fucking evocation was... Ooh! Ooh, does the Winamajo count? Hmm, I'm going to need to know if you can bend your spell around an a object of your choice. You've, you've already let me do that once. Buddy, I'm not consistent. You know that one for dramatic flare calls. For- no. <laughs> when did I let you do it? Um, inside of the the tower when I was trying to not blow up the um the 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 polymorph crystal. Okay, and how big was that? Uh, not as big as the Winamajo. Not as big as a fucking bus, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> fortunately, the range on Shatter is smaller. Okay, it's only a ten foot radius sphere, not a twenty foot. So, as you climb up onto the roof, that initial kind of rock of motion back is. Eldrin guns it. Uh, you make your way over to the roof hatch, climb your way up in a uncharacteristically brave move for fate. Um, work your way up onto the roof of the Winamajo. Set your feet and then are able to look over the edge. And you can see now that there are three on the left-hand side, uh, about five feet away from the vehicle, and then four on the right-hand side, including the one that wheeled his way around. You're able to cast your, your shadow down to where you'd be able to get two the two center ones on the right-hand side. So I don't think Fate's ever cast Shatter before, so I'm going to need to know how he does it. Well, because of the fact that you brought it, this is uncharacteristically brave. It's because what no one else hears going on in Fate is that he is being compelled by some other force that he normally doesn't have within him that is almost demanding for him to break it all. And so um, he's going to use his Shadow Fell Shard to give disadvantage on the ability saving throws to these two uh, paladins of Tritherion against this uh, shatter he's about to cast, where he claps his hands together and almost as though he's trying to literally break the clutch. And when his hands separate, that is the sound that emanates and the shatter erupts there in the center of where he's targeting those those two paladins. So it's it's not the clap, it's the pop? It's the separation, your... yes. Yeah, okay, so... You guys hear a loud And then the sound of glass and metal being ruptured from nowhere. All right. So uh, what's your spell save, DC? It's uh, 16. Um, so 16, 4. So one guy fails. Second guy fails. Horse passes and one horse fails. Okay. So give me just give me some damage. 19 points of thunder damage. The f- first guy up at the front rears his horse back and stumbles back, but still 
seems to take a solid blast of force and shudders and, and seems to right himself and his horse stumbles back in, in a dramatic fashion, but is able to wheel forward and begin to, to give chase. The second night, there's that, like if you were to take a tin can and then and introduce a vacuum to it to where it would slowly crunch inward. So you see the armor of the second night crunch inward and, and close down on it. He's still alive. Unfortunately, you see that same effect happen with his horse. Oh no. It's not made of metal. Ooh. So you see this guy's horse just crumple up into like a meat wad underneath him as the bubble of sound scrunches him down. So he is now very dramatically running after you straight arm Terminator style, but he is going to be left uh, left in the dust very, very quickly as you guys move forward. Uh, so that is one night down by way of horse murder. <laughs> that will bring us to Eli. Okay, so I'm going to turn to the horses of the knight's on the right, and I am going to cast slow. Excellent. Uh, but I'm going to use, I'm going to use, I believe, uh, yes, I'm going to use two sorcery points to use quickened spell and turn that action into a bonus action. So each of those horses need to make a DC 15 slow is wisdom, DC 15 wisdom saving throw. Uh, surprisingly, war horses have a plus one to wisdom, so that'll be a 16 for the first war horse, and then a five and an eight for the other two. Okay. So two of the horses begin moving, and you can see the knights get frustrated and try to, like like kids on the quarter rocking machine that need to go faster, <laughs> keep trying to make them rock back and forth and make their horses go faster. Yeah. But they're just, they're just not doing it. Essentially, the way that Elias is casting this is... Uh, flourishing his hands once more as he like moves his hands it's as though a bunch of star like stardust just flies out and in a fourth dimensional sense those horses are slowed on like a quantum level so it's like a relativistic thing so for them they feel like they're moving at the same speed and everything else is just moving faster but for us it looks like everything else is uh, like they are moving slower uh, so those horses are slowed they're, I think their movement speed is cut in half uh, they can only take one action or one bonus action, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then that was my bonus action. I'm going to then use my action to take my mysterious souvenir, uh, which is a crystal that I have kind of, I, it, it is just always in my pocket. And I reach into my pocket after the flourish, hold the crystal and lock, uh, like lock onto the horse that saved. And I am going to, uh, because I used a meta magic option on a spell, I will cause a lash of psychic energy to rip through the fabric of reality and strike that creature, uh, the, the horse that saved. Uh, and it needs to make a charisma saving throw against my spell save DC. It got a three on the die, <laughs> minus two, because some jerk thinks horses get a minus two penalty to charisma. Horses are a noble and magnificent beast, 5e. <laughs> You are wrong for that, but unfortunately, we're going to go with the rules. So, yeah, that horse got a dirty one. <laughs> go ahead and give me a description and some damage. Okay, so uh, this horse, I think, uh, like, the horse felt something settling on it before that it kind of, like, shook off and, like, saw through the, the weird reality distortion. But as that happens, uh, I think the horse sees the moment of its own death <laughs> and that causes so much psychic damage uh, in this context that is 12 points of psychic damage 
Uh, and if the horse survived that 12 points of psychic damage, it is now frightened of me until the start of my next turn. <laughs> so it cannot move any closer willingly to me. So we, this, these are the, this was the group on the right or the left? This is on the right. This is the one that saved. Okay. So I basically am eliminating the three on the right, if I can. And that is also the one that had taken shatter damage previously. So uh, that horse <laughs> parts the veil, sees into the future, and sees a life for itself where it's standing in a pasture <laughs> that it can't afford the mortgage on. <laughs> it's pretty sure its wife <laughs> is cheating with the stallion next door because his foal sure as hell looks like Steve and his head just scanners and pops open like a melon and tumbles down. And the uh, and at the point that the speed that the Winamajo moves, the two slowed horses are taken completely off the board and the knights aren't able to, to hop off and catch up. So Elias, in a bold move, takes out the rest of the right-hand side uh, and manages to spare some horses in a truly much more humane fashion than the rest of you monsters. <laughs> you mean fate. Aldrin killed a horse. I sure did. <laughs> oh, that's true. Aldrin has a history of killing animals. We know it's uh, a ranger. Mostly, mostly owls. Mostly owls. Moyo, your go. So uh, Elias took out the right hand side. Yep. There are just three trundling along on the left hand side. Uh, I will cast Windwall, uh, which creates a uh, one hundred and twenty foot area. Uh, I'm sorry. It's fifty feet long. Uh, 15 feet high and one foot thick, uh, which would be able, which would be long enough to capture all of them on the left side. And um, I can do this thanks to Elias gifting me my new illusory synthol cheeks. I can uh, use them to enhance my wind wall because uh, normally, as a warforce, I don't really have flashlights. But uh, the the, cheek, the cheeks be clapping and the wind be wailing or walling, if you will. Do me a favor, draw in on the map where you want to put that that wind wall. I thought you were going to ask him to draw the cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, yes. If you would, please also draw the robot cheeks. What uh, what happens if they try and pass through the wall? They have to have a strength a strength saving check of thirteen or. What's, what's your spell save DC? Oh, my spell save DC? Um, 15. 15. All right. So they got to do a strength saving throw against 15 for the knights and the horses. Is this a, your pentahedron ability or is this mm -hmm. a spell? This is a pentahedron ability. Okay, remember, that's tinged with psychic power. So it is 100% because of your illusory Eli cake cheeks that you realize now that you have the ability. You remember that you have the ability to do this and you put up this glowing wall of, of psychic, of just a glowing wall of cheeks. You, you just cheeks on cheeks on cheeks that appear with a shimmering purple energy as your pentahedron badge flares into life. And you, Eli, you're the only one to hear this, but it rings out in this, this sonorous jam of a acoustic guitar riff. Like somebody taking their arm and just strumming super hard down uh, on an, an acoustic guitar in true Grateful Dead fashion as it kind of echoes through the mental spaces. He creates this wall of glowing psychic cheeks. Um, and let's make some strength saving throws. Moyo manifested the tip drill video. <laughs> Bouncing buttock. <laughs> it's a lot of failures right now. So the horses have a plus four to stave on their strength. All of them fail. I get a nine, a 10, and a six. All right. <laughs> so just for additional comedic effect, let's see how the paladins do while we're at it. Uh, 16, 10, 
nine. So you create this wall of cheeks and they, they don't have time to turn and change. It is Tron light cycling into a wall oh. of psychic ass. Oh, and no. the first- Such a thick wind. <laughs> Dummy thick wind. This... It's taut like a snare drum. <laughs> <laughs> Elias bounces a quarter. Moyle <laughs> <laughs> bounced some paladins off it, so that seems appropriate. So the the first horse. In, what happens if they fail their save? Moyle, they t- are they taking damage here? What's the situation? They will take three um, d eight damage. Uh, when the wall appears, each creature within its area must make a strength saving throw. A creature takes 3d8 bludgeoning damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. Strong wind keeps fog, smoke, and other gases at bay. Small or smaller <laughs> flying creatures or objects can't pass through the wall, and loose lightweight materials brought into the wall fly upwards. Arrows, bolts, and other ordinary projectiles launched at targets behind the wall are deflected upwards and automatically miss. Creatures in gaseous form can't pass through. 12 damage. 12 on the damage. Okay. And then what happens if they, but they would then still power through it. Okay. So I'm going to say the horses that slam into this thing don't power, because it is very much three car pileup. So the, the first paladin and its horse slam into the wall. Paladin takes the full damage, but then is also thrown from his horse. The horse survives, but is disoriented and, and wanders off the side of the road. And then just again, Looney Tune style, Moyle painted a ass wall on the side of a mountain. Next one slams into it. Paladin bounces off and goes rolling. And finally, the third one, the Paladin manages to hold on, but it doesn't matter because the horse slams into it and wanders off, toddles off to the side. Baba, it's your turn. There is a pile of Paladins to the left of the the <laughs> Winnemajo as you guys speed away that you can see in your rear view mirror. In the ass crack of a uh... Of a, of a wall. And yeah, what is probably the strangest wall you've ever seen. <laughs> and that's saying a lot for what you guys have been through as ass stacked on ass stacked on ass seems to have saved the day. <laughs> what do what, what you, you want to do, buddy? I think I'm actually just going to go up to the front and help Eldrin or see if Eldrin needs any help piloting. But uh, yeah, I just want to drive away. Okay. You guys blast on down the road. Now you have a decision to make. Do you want to continue driving down the winding ways, which means eventually at some point you're going to get to a waypoint or a rebranded save point, or you guys can clip over to a back road at the first opportunity and kind of get off the main drag? I'd say after that, it probably would make sense to get off the main road, but I'll let everyone else... Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Oh, yeah. I vote for that. They're, look, they're looking for us. You just can't murder a bunch of horses. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're looking for us. I mean, can't we, though? That's the second time we've had to do that with the uh, Paladins of Tritherion, and we've gotten away so far. I mean, crumpling up a horse like a can of spinach. The side road worked last time. I, I believe that was because we disappeared for multiple years. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have diplomatic immunity in my country, and if we are able to get there, I can <laughs> I can grant it to you as well. A hundred percent true. Eli's like, man, this is a uh, worst Uber ever, <laughs> or or Umber in our world. Who did Ognum set me up with? <laughs> what was he thinking? I need to have a word with that man. You've heard of Ognum recruiting contractors lately for for some really oddball missions, and this kind of seems on pace with what you've seen him hire recently. Uh, shout out to our Patreon supporters who played in the Join the Party episode recently and will be playing again in March. 
you're the weird-ass contractors that Ognum hired. <laughs> As we travel off, Baba turns on the radio. He turns on uh, Panthers with Attitude, F the Paladins. <laughs> you guys, you're off to a side road. And once you get off onto some of the more traditional cart tracks that don't have that gleaming white paved brick that make up the winding ways, it starts to feel like a, a little bit of a more peaceful time. You you can drive for almost an hour without seeing another vehicle on the road. And when you do encounter another traveler, it's a villager in an actual horse-driven cart with, you know, hay or apples or, you know, whatever produce he's taken to market. There's a herdsman driving his cattle down the fields that looks real uncomfortably at Eli as you guys drive by. Like, hey man, look, look, it's just, just a job. Just a job. There's, there's a cat herder doing the same thing as Baba goes by. Like, look, man, just a job. It's just a job. I don't know if it's just a joke. I just go, hmm. <laughs> Are you thinking about your mother's milk at the same time? Yeah, but I'm grooving out to F the Paladins by Nil Boggs with attitude. Just absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's about four or five. It's getting towards the end of that first day of travel. I'm putting you guys about halfway there when... Aldrin, you start to feel the Winamajo slow down, and you've you've never felt this before, and it's getting kind of progressively slower and slower. Uh-oh. And then you just roll to a slow stop. Okay, can I press Ogstar? Boom. <laughs> Hello, this is Ogstar. What can I do for you? DNC, I told you they'd do it again. They, they are totally helpless. <laughs> I, I really need to get somebody. Uh, what can I do for you, Eldrin? Hey, uh, the thing won't go. <laughs> the thing won't go. I'm sorry, could you be more specific? That very much sounds like you just said shit is weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Winamajo uh, just kind of stopped. It's not really moving anymore. Did, it, did I break something? Uh, did you? Drive into a ditch. Nope. Uh, Are you underwater, perchance? No, it, it just kind of slowed down and stopped. Oh, have you looked at the at the reactor? Uh, no, no. Should I go look at the reactor? Well, it's either bright, bright, bright blue, in which case it was a pleasure, gentlemen, <laughs> or it's dimmed considerably. It, you could you could potentially not uh, have enough energy transferring to the drive tree. Okay, so uh, Elgin runs back to the back of the Winamajo and takes a look at the reactor. It is a very, very, very dim blue. He runs back up to the front of the uh, of the Winamajo and says, yeah, it's 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 not bright. It's pretty dim. Uh, well, well, how, how fix? How do I fix? <laughs> so you, you guys see Eldrin run to the back of the machine and then a spectral Ognum follow him behind. And then Eldrin comes running back <laughs> past the spectral Ognum. That goes, <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys I put a projector in each room. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back to the machine again and really, really inspect it. Um, could somebody who knows their head from a dead owl come back and, and I need someone to, to open up a few panels and I am insubstantial in this form. I'll, I'll do it. Could somebody other than Moyle, perhaps? <laughs> Coming. I'm made of metal. Moyle? No. No. I'm very conductive. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Baba, I might be in need of your assistance, but... Please. Volunteering other people? I'll go with him. Well, I'll go. I can help if need be. Eli? 
I appreciate you. Um, stay close. Right. You might be of need also. Standing by. Okay, so you guys all trundle in a group <laughs> to the back of the of the Winnebago in this big cargo bay, and you're all standing around and go, no, you touch it. No, you touch <laughs> it. No, you touch it. No, you, no, you touch it. You first. So I need you to, around the back side, if you could flip open that one panel, and there should be a, uh, oh, does, who knows what a gyroscope is? You are not familiar with a gyroscope. Ooh, 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 I, I am, I am, I know what that is. Is there anybody other than fate? Oh, Eli. Can I roll to see if I'm familiar with a gyroscope? Yes, absolutely. Give okay. me either, uh, just give me a flat intelligence roll. All right. It's a two. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say pyroscope? Do you want me to bring the fire? Hmm, <laughs> yes. I've had a gyroscope. You you need to get them when you turn 30. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Gyroscopes. No, it's not. It's not gyroscope. It's pronounced euroscope. You get it at the sandwich shop. No, more close, but not quite. <laughs> I believe it's gyroscopy. We really need to have a conversation about your doctor, Eli. <laughs> oh, I've had one of those before. Really invasive. Really invasive. <laughs> that left me with a square butthole. <laughs> <laughs> That gyroscopy. Boyle, <laughs> <laughs> again, if we have to have another conversation about a round peg in a square hole, I don't know what we're going to do with this. <laughs> Give me an arcana check. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, I believe that's a 17. Okay, well, as long as you believe. <laughs> you flip open the panel and you're able to uh, see what Agam has identified as a, the gyroscope. Or he instructs you to pop it out, and it's this two circular rings fused together within a spinning circular disc, and then an opposite spinning circular disc inside of that. And he goes, oh, oh, that appears to have been... Did, did, did you guys plug a bunch of accessories into this thing? Oh, um, <laughs> we did plug Moyle. Well, that's my hairdryer. It wasn't rated to support you, Moyle. We could arrange that for next time, but um, this is your, uh, I'm sorry, positronic lateral oscillating transformer device, <laughs> or plot device for short. <laughs> and it appears to have been thrown slightly out of whack by the extra energy that you've pulled into it. Um, you're going to need to get it over to a blacksmith or a tinker's office to get it repaired. Um, judging by the... Uh, the globe that uh, I can see because I'm magical. Uh, you guys are probably within walking distance. It'll be evening by the time that you get there of uh, of a small town up a, up the way. So if you guys would just hoof it, sorry, Eli, no offense intended, mm. down to uh, down to the village, uh, you might be able to find someone who could help you there. Well, gentlemen, um, it seems we have a heading again. Positronic oscillating. Positronic lateral oscillating transformer. Is that what we asked them to fix? When you when you look at it, you can see that this thing is clearly made to spin inside of itself, and whatever extra energy that had to be pulled out of the reactor into the the plot device uh, clearly has welded some of those rotating connection points together. And you guys just need to have somebody who can um, basically pop them loose and then you know maybe resolder a piece or two back together. A moderately competent tinker. Or a above average blacksmith could fix this for you in a minute. You just none of you guys have the have the talent to do it. I bet the mushrooms could have fixed it. Yeah. Wait, uh I have some turtle wax in my bedroom. Would that help? Did you did you just say that you waxed a turtle in the bedroom? No, I, I have turtle wax. Or I guess it's really turtle wax. 
but yeah. Most turtles I've met don't wax. <laughs> Would that lubricate the gears enough to loosen them? Well, um, we'll keep that in mind, Moyle. I don't, I, we'll, we'll save that as a definite maybe. <laughs> in the meanwhile, um, Todd, would you perhaps be able to use your, uh, I believe it's a Todd, Todd pod to, uh, get this device to where it needs to be repaired? He said it's a short walk. I'm, I'm not going to take my, I'm not going to carry that on my back. We'll just bring someone back with us. Uh, you want me to take the whole unit out of the vehicle, strap it to my back, get on the Todd pod. No, it's the thing is small. He said it's like a handheld thing. It's it's it's, it's small, small device. The part we need fixed is small. I think the turtle wax would work. I rolled a twenty. <laughs> no, the turtle wax will not work, no matter what you roll, Andrew. But thank you for trying. <laughs> I do appreciate it. Lord knows the guy that sat on plot device acronym for fucking since he introduced this Winamajo to you is not going to criticize your turtle wax joke. Uh, so, okay, what's the plan? Are you guys going to send Todd off on his lonesome to sell your last cow at the market? Because you, you know he's coming back with magic beans. And in this world, that's problematic. No. 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 <laughs> Todd's not going on his lonesome. <laughs> First of all, we can't even be 500 feet apart. Uh, yeah, yeah. That is correct. Oh, that's true. That's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's the other thing that I wrote into this goddamn storyline that prevented you guys from splitting the party. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Should we perhaps hide the Winamajo while we, we travel to uh, this? We, 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 we can lock it and uh, we store the key in uh, someone's keister. We definitely need to lock it. We should definitely lock it. But first, we must pop it Yes, we, yes before we, we lock it. You have to pop, lock it, and then drop it. But we definitely keister. It's usually, <laughs> it's usually Eldrin's keister where we, Listen. We, we keep the key. Safest place. I love that you guys are sharing this with those <laughs> random dignitaries. Like, yeah, when we lock the car up, we put the keys in his butt. Interesting. It's the ranger. What do you want us to do? Like, hey. <laughs> Here's the thing. I have a perfectly good, like, satchel right here. I, I just got to say, satchel is a really good nickname that Eldrin might have for his, for his keister. <laughs> <laughs> if you get robbed. By weary travelers. They always check your pocket and your satchel. Dude. They never touch your keister. Who get robbed by weary travelers? Come on, dude. They're weary. They're not robbing anyone. Yeah. They're tired. Tired of robbing. We literally <laughs> fight every single thing that has ever, like, posed even a small threat to us. And you're worried about someone stealing the keys from me. I do not want to put them in my butt this time. <laughs> I saw a moil get stripped butt naked. And come back to us with no clothes on. So you telling me if he had pockets. Elgin just shakes the- his head and just shoves the keys in his keister and just walks out the <laughs> window. <Winnemagio. laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Every damn time. That can't be sanitary. Locks it first. Locks it first. You don't want to go back in there to pull it out. So you make sure you lock it first. No, 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 no. He can, he's gotten so good at this that he can lock it no, just <laughs> inside. No, he, he just, <laughs> <laughs> just one good clinch. Yep. Just speaking <laughs> of clapping ass, you see Eldrin <laughs> a little clap and hear the. Oh, Eldrin does this little twerk dance, and all of a sudden the, the lock goes <laughs> <laughs> Those keys must smell foul. That's why he's the only one, he's the only one who holds them. Honestly, you shouldn't hold them. Not with your hands anyway. Yeah, we don't we don't just transfer the keys. 
All right. So you guys uh, trundle on down the road, and you are the weary travers that would normally rob Todd <laughs> uh, by the time you get to a a picturesque little village. It, it's definitely one of the towns that has suffered from the advent of the winding ways, very similar to the one that you um, ran into Roger the Codger. You guys walk up kind of the dusty street. There's a large field in the center of the town uh, where they'll, they'll set up a farmer's market or they'll bring livestock in to... To, to graze for a little bit before taking him on to the city. There is a large community fountain slash well that serves as both a monument to some townsfolk that were sent off to a war as well as a communal water source. And it's decorative. It's nice. Uh, down at the end of the street where uh, before the road veers off out of town, there's a large uh, community center slash church. Uh, there's more than likely that's where the cleric or physiker of the town would reside. And man, over to the left-hand side is an incredibly warm and welcoming oak timber, two-story, gabled roofed with these just pristine red tiles, red tile and just really an incredibly nice place. Um, you can see a forge over to the right side of the city square, but clearly it's been shut down for the night. And it's not the, the you know, a lot of times when you guys encounter tradespeople, they live at their place of business. Like the Asatar very much had a small little house attached to his forge. Um, this is appears to be a separate business, and it appears to actually be a cluster of businesses. Like you can see, the, there's a forge, and then the other side of the building, uh, there's a, a leather worker, and then on another side of the building, there's clearly a weaver shop. So this appears to be fantasy we work, but shut down for the night. It's not going to help you. Um, you guys roll into the inn to grab an, an evening meal. And again, you walk in and it just, the warmth of this place washes over you. Incredibly welcoming, not fancy, but well cared for and well loved. You you step in through to the entryway and like a little entry raised foyer, uh, which has kind of a waist high railing that directs you down to a bit of a sunken dining area, which has about eight tables arrayed in front of this large curving fireplace and hearth. Over to the west side of the building, there's a long stretching oaken bar. And then over to the right, you can see two separate sets of stairs, which go up to what are probably about 15 rooms that face inward to this balcony that is uh, open enough that it looks down into the common room. Uh, there is a man slumped over the bar as if he looks like he'd been polishing a mug and just nodded off to sleep and no one else in the room to greet you. So should we approach the elderly gentleman? Said he is asleep or? Yeah, he, he appears to be out. He doesn't rouse when you guys walk in. What if we would just sneak by and try and get some rest? Just talk to him. I think we should make noise inadvertently try to wake him up. Like, you know that. <laughs> you see him start awake and go back to polishing the mug and see you and through a bleary set of sleepy eyes. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, gentlemen. This is incredibly poor hospitality. I just, oof, this has been, I'm exhausted. I haven't slept for days. No one in this town has. It's been, it's been crazy in the woods lately. The screaming and the yelling and the constant shouting and the profanity and the sounds of what either is a party or cats killing each other while fucking, I don't, it's, it's just exhausting. It's like, imagine if a bunch of really obnoxious long haul caravanners drove into your town and blared music all day to protest 
taking a magical medicine that would make them feel better and how exhausted you would feel. And, and he just kind of actually nods off in mid-conversation and kind of slumps back down again. Now I think fate was on. <laughs> At that point, a haggard, exhausted-looking woman kind of comes out from the, the back hallway from the other side of the hearth and goes, Oh, welcome, gentlemen, please. Have a seat. We'll be happy to get you something to eat. Is there... Is uh, uh, Miss uh, what? No, we have an excellent ish stew. I just none of us are really super up to par. Nobody's working right now. We're just all so tired and aggravated. It was just um. Wait, I are you guys adventurers? Are you from Taliesin? Yes. Are you heroes? After a fashion, yes. If if someone actually if, if you are a god, you say yes. Heroes is uh you know pretty generous, but yeah, sure. So, look, this was this was a nice, normal town until about a month ago when the Dreadgith Yankee Roberto became raiding in the area. And then there's just been all these strange, crazy, constant noise coming from the woods at night. And we just desperately need someone to go out there and see what is going on uh, because it's it's almost as if there's this, this mass of people wailing at all times of the night. Would you please tell us you'd be up for it? We'd let you stay and eat for free. Sold. Uh, sold. <laughs> I'm always up for yelling at, at loud assholes. <laughs> okay. So you guys bed down a little bit early. You feel like you need to get out into the woods before the sun comes all the way up because they've, several times they said it was at night that the activity was going to go down. So you guys eat an incredibly bland meal that seems like it's perhaps stores that were, you know, they, like they just were too exhausted to fully cook. So they pulled some of the preserves out from the storeroom and then warmed them up for you guys. So it's very much like, oh, hey, some boiled cabbage that's been canned for six months. And oh, my some are those peaches there's some kind of fruit that's been mashed into a mush and you guys uh bundle up and eli you notice the entire party of five goes into one room for the night everybody's offered their own room but they all seem to trundle into one room together <laughs> and then half of them sleep half of them don't sleep they're pretty noisy themselves and as night begins to fall you begin to hear from the woods just this hey hey this is my tree this is my tree. Hey, fuck you. This is my tree. That's mine. Those are my nuts. Who wants to fuck? I want to fuck. What's going on? What's that over there? Hey, this is my tree. No, this is my tree. And just this mass of voices of people yelling the most inane, random things. And you have you guys have trouble sleeping, but you manage to get a, a few fit flowers and you're so exhausted from the walk. So you guys wake up just in the pre-dawn hours and, and head west out into the woods as instructed by the woman. And as you reach... The edge of where the woods get to be thickest. You give me perception checks. Let's see who spots it. Natural 20. Man. Nice. Oh, oh, oh. Eli, up in a tree, sitting, dangling his legs off the edge of a branch, is a tiny little dude, a humanish looking, uh, with a massive tussle of hair. And he's going, Hey, this is my tree. These are my nuts. And another little human dude drops out of the tree and goes, No, this is my tree. Fuck out, this is mine. No, this is mine. And they leap each other and start rustling. And now that you know what to look for, you begin to look around, and the woods is just littered with tiny people. It's almost as if all the woodland creatures had been transformed into tiny people and were now going about and yelling about their business in a normal way. Uh, a woman sitting on the edge of a large birch tree leans over and goes, I've got a nest! 
I want some eggs. Who wants to fuck? Who wants to fuck? And then a guy a couple of trees over goes, I do. I do. I'll build a nest for you. The, the squirrel people be, continue to fight. There's a, a a man who seems to be kind of slithering, trying to slither his way on his belly through the grass and going, you guys suck. I'm hot and cold at the same time. How is that possible? And just this wave of insane, just, oh my God, what has happened? All the animals are people. Wow. I just have one question. Uh, are these little animal people caked up? Great question. Great question. <laughs> the squirrel people know because it's primarily nuts. Are they nutted up? <laughs> Those birds, they are caked up. Donks. Donks all. So you're saying the squirrels are nutted up, but the birds are caked up? They have very impressive breasts, the birds. And that's where we're going to end this session. <laughs> You know, they say a rising tide lifts all boats, but apparently our podcast drags people down to our level. I'm not sure if I should be proud or ashamed. I'm thinking I'm going to go with both. Ashamed? Ashamed? I don't know. There's something there. I'll get it figured out. Hey, you know what? It's time to say thank you to our patrons. So thank you. A roboticized private eye. Brian. Bryce. Colin. Dean. Dreekin. Eric, Gibbons Camp, Jason, Ken, Korobe, Nikki, Lurgnag, Miles, Todd God for MVP, wants to hear Noah mispronounce Pikachu again because it makes me laugh. We'll also accept Pikachu or Pikachu. Moyle hopes you all will accept him even in his new cakeless condition. Gair the Sleepy Norwegian, Hannah, Yogan, the Badger 1230, Thomas, Tor Arn Michelson. While Eldrin may not give horses the right of way, he'd yield for you. Andrew, Bill, we don't take spells from Automatus. Fate is going to give you first, first dibs on his artisanal basket of man meats. You heard me. And then our Baba Bros, who are riding shotgun with us once again Ben, Matt, Saga, Zork, and resident Alpha patron Lee. Well, Baba would yield shotgun to you. He is surprisingly fast at calling it. Probably because he's a cat, or maybe because he's a barbarian, or maybe because he just had to ride in his friend's car a lot, and it was a two-door, and man, trying to get into the, a hatchback with a tail is a goddamn nightmare. So he just got really good at calling shotgun. Anyway, y'all are the best. And hey, what are these fine people? And we do mean fine, objectively. These fuckers are gorgeous. Have you seen them? I've seen them. Dead goddamn sexy. Uh, get for supporting the party of five, besides pandering compliments like that one uh well they get they get bonus episodes like the mvp show the beh behind the scenes footage which is what builds into our intros and man we got some good ones coming out of the Cobb episodes that's right i said episodes he's coming back to finish this one up did you think we'd leave off with a cliffhanger fuck no we wouldn't bonus video content like the tournament of champions got a wave of those coming out this month to get caught up from last month lore posts the opportunity to play with the party just a whole slew of benefits. We're working on some additional merch. New character art's going to come out for y'all to see. It just, just some great stuff for supporting a show that really is making an effort to provide a unique voice to the actual play multiverse. So thank you, everybody, for getting in and supporting us over at patreon.com forward slash GMDLcast. But you know what? You may not be able to support right now. I get it. There's a lot of things going on. It can be tough, but you know, you can still help out the Pentagoons as named by resident alpha patron Lee Gary. Just tell somebody about the show. 
Seriously, I know that sounds like a lot. And if you're Harland, you don't ever want to talk about the show. Tell a friend, coworker, family member, somebody at your local D&D shop. Are you not shopping locally for your D&D stuff? Please, by all means, support those stores. They need your patronage. Bezos does not. All hail Bezos. One in five people pick the next podcast they're going to listen to based off of the recommendation of a, of a friend or family member or coworker or random stranger with a sandwich board on the street yelling about the end being nigh and Todd's lack of MVPs. Seriously, one in five. Losing that is like losing one of the party of five. Uh, like Todd. And you know, I don't know if that's a great example. I'm not sure really if Todd did anything this episode. Like Elias. And I know technically Elias isn't one of the party of five, but good God, man. Cobb's fantastic. And him being in our community and participating in our show, that dude needs to be around forever. So be sure to get out there, tell people about our show, tell people about Three Black Halflings. We absolutely appreciate any and all of your effort, efforts to help grow our little part of the actual play multiverse. That's it for this week's folks. Thank you. Stay safe. And as always, hope you enjoyed the show.